Hello and welcome back to Drinking Liberally, the podcast that combines good alcohol with some mostly friendly political banter. I'm Kevin Wilson. I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everyone doing? We're back after a brief hiatus. We had some scheduling conflicts last week and honestly, it felt a little empty, didn't it, Jeff? It was very sad. We missed you guys. Walked into the (laughs) studio today and I felt like I hadn't been here in forever. So I'm glad to be back. Lots of stuff to talk about and recap from uh, this past week, right? It was nice to see, though, that people did miss us, too. We were just talking before uh, we went on that we got some messages and some funny memes about it. uh, Yeah. Thanks, everyone. So clearly some of you are listening, which is great. We appreciate being missed. (laughs) Yeah. So let's uh, jump right into our drinking today. Our beer today is from the Carton Brewing Company out of Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. And our brew is the 077XX. It's an East Coast double IPA. Loving this beer so far. This is made with a Chinook hops. It's got some spicy pine and grapefruit uh, taste to it. Uh, Tropical fruit aromas, as you will with an IPA. Really strong. 7.8% alcohol by volume. So again, uh, the slurring at the end of the episode can be blamed on this beer. It's really good. It's not too bitter. It's not too malty. I think it's like a, a... perfectly balanced IPA. This is honestly one of the favorites I've had on the show so far. Yeah, I like anything with uh, the grapefruit taste <laughs> overall. Um, this is a really good beer. Let me ask you a question, though. Yeah. You said it's a East Coast IPA? Yeah. Um, what is the difference between like an East and a West Coast IPA? That's actually a great question, and it, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, so an East Coast IPA is a lot like what I just described this beer as. It's balanced. So they do a great job of making it not too bitter, not too malty. Whereas a West Coast IPA kind of goes in, you know, full hog on the bitterness. So there's going to be lots of hops uh, to a West Coast IPA, where the, whereas the East Coast is, you know, it's a little bit of an easier drink. And typically you'll get people that will drink the East Coast IPA and like it. And they'll be like, I'm not an IPA person, but they'll like the East Coast version. Because most people, when they say they're not an IPA person, they're thinking West Coast version, like the very bitter, hoppy ones. So, so you're naming me specifically. In this. Yes. Yeah, yep. This yep. is why. I'm you're an East Coast person. I'm a West Coast person. Okay. Yep. <laughs> See, we don't agree on everything, folks. <laughs> Jeff, you ready to talk about some politics? Yes, sir. All right. Let's jump into our first topic, which is going to be a heavy one, honestly. It's something we didn't really want to talk about on this show because as two men, it's kind of tough to provide the insight and clarity that we think would be necessary to talk about this. But this topic has just blown up so much in the last week and a half that it's unavoidable. And that topic is abortion. So coming out hot. Yeah. (laughs) Two things we want to talk about today. And those are laws that were passed in Georgia and another was passed in Alabama. We'll start with the Georgia bill. That was from last week. It was signed last Tuesday. This is one of those so-called uh, fetal heartbeat bills that was signed into effect by uh, Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia. So here we see another repercussion of the little voter issues out in Georgia. Where, Stolen election. Yeah, where Stacey Abrams was not named governor. Uh, so Brian Kemp rubber-stamped this. He's a Republican. And this bill bans abortions after six weeks. Now, you might be asking, why Why is that a big deal? Well, six weeks is when Republicans say, and I'll, I'll give them this, you can detect a fetal heartbeat, sometimes at the six weeks mark. But most importantly, at six weeks, most women don't know they're pregnant yet. Like, I mean, 
it's my crazy. wife is my wife is pregnant right now. We found out well after six weeks. Yeah, yeah. The timing I would, didn't line up right, and we didn't. Yeah. So people I've talked to ha- that have had children, I'm like, when did you notice? Like, well, when, when we missed the second period <laughs> yeah. is when you're like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, because a couple of weeks late's not a big deal. So I mean, again, let's preface all of this with we are men here. We do not go through any of this stuff. So right. if we sound uninformed, please let us know. Um, but you know, a lot of times if it's right near. You know, you get pregnant right before the other period, and then, you know, you can easily get towards that second one before you know, and now we're blown way past six weeks. Yeah. And the argument that proponents of fetal heartbeat bills will make is that it has a heartbeat. This is a person now, right? This is not a bundle of cells. But the issue has always been in abortion is that a fetus isn't viable, as in it can't live outside of the womb on its own until at least 24 weeks yeah and that's not a great and it's and even at that point yeah the chances of survival are so slim i think it's something like 20 to 35 percent survive if they're born at the 24 week mark which that's it's crazy premature and only because of the advances we've made in science medical science we're able to save some of those children but that's 24 weeks Yet we're talking about bills that are trying to ban abortions after six weeks, where, again, six weeks, you're, there's nothing there. It is a bundle of cells. This is not a living human being at that point, in my opinion. And there's another side to that, too, right? So we're talking about less time to make that choice. And, you know, I think this may actually end up leading, I mean, probably overall less abortions, right? But it may end up leading to more quickly because people aren't given really the time to, you know, talk about it with their partner or figure out their life or see how this is going to work. And I think it's going to press people more, kind of putting a deadline on them that, you know, you may see and I may be completely wrong about this, but you may see more people say, you know, I'm not sure and opt to do it at that point. Um, So there's other things to this than just, you know, the viability in that it's real people in their lives and, (laughs) you know what's actually going to happen with that baby when it comes into the world or not. Yeah. So um, it's bad on all, all accounts. And on the flip side, and we'll dive a little further into this when we talk about the Alabama bill, it's going to push more people into getting abortions any way they can. CD ass back right. alley. Right. Yeah. The, the term <laughs> back alley abortion is a yeah. term right. for a reason. Yeah. Um, prior to Roe v. Uh, Wade, the Supreme court decision that legalized abortion, that's how people had to do it. You had to find a doctor who often had to do this in secret. Uh, there's a fantastic story that if I can remember who wrote it, I will link to it in our footnotes. But she talks about an abortion she had um, as a teenager where they literally put a bag over her head to drive her to a location because this doctor was would face jail time if he was ever caught performing this um, procedure. So they had to secretly drive her out there and secretly drive her back so she never knew where she got this procedure performed. And that's the kind of world we're looking at with these kind of laws, which I think are like draconian. It's it's a step too far. Did Georgia go as far to draw the line on, um, you know, rape victims and incest? Or is that just they, the good state of Alabama? That's, yes. Yeah, so actually, it's great that you brought that up. Uh, Georgia still leaves exemptions for victims of rape and incest in which case you are allowed to get an abortion. Um, Alabama does not. 
Yeah, no. And let's talk about that in a second. Let's talk about, let's finish up Georgia. So, you know, they're drawing this line at six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a little more versed on what's been happening in Alabama, but in Georgia, what's, what's kind of the, the criminal aspect of this? What are they, what are they looking at? So it's strange because the people that wrote this bill will never admit this, but it's kind of sloppily written in a way that leaves open an opportunity to criminally prosecute women who get abortions. They swear that's not what they intend, but they never explicitly wrote in anything to prevent that from happening. Right. Because what they're declaring in this Georgia law is that a, a fetus should receive a full legal recognition as a person. <laughs> Therefore, if you take that to its logical extreme, if you abort that full legal person, it's murder. It's murder. murder, yeah. So you could bring some up on criminal charges. That might be some of the Republicans' mindset that like they want to push end it game, that yeah. far. Yeah, that might be the end game. Uh, I hope not. And premeditated murder at that. So right? I mean, we're talking the fullest extent it's of the law can be thrown at very somebody. serious and because the law leaves these like loopholes open whether intentionally or not it's such a dangerous bill right now that's in place so let's talk a little bit about what's going on in response to this so georgia is home to a number of major corporations in america a ton of film studios there it's a huge piece of the film industry everyone thinks about hollywood but a massive amount of TV shows and uh, movies are actually filmed in Georgia. Absolutely. Like uh, The Walking Dead films, I think primarily there, almost all of it. Even a bunch of like Marvel movies filmed there on studios and sound sets that have been set up in Georgia. As of today, because I've just brought Marvel, so I feel like I should clar- uh, clarify this. Disney has not said a word about this yet, who owns Marvel. But in the past, they've actually taken some political stances on Georgia bills. Yeah, they like, try to stay away as much as they can. Yeah, and I get it, you're Disney, but Disney's pull is very you know far-reaching. You know, they they could overturn this themselves by just saying we're never going to film something here again. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to watch what Disney will do in the future. I mean, like, back in 2016, Georgia tried to pull a bunch of uh, anti-LGBTQ bullshit. Yep, and at that point, Disney was like, no, we're out. And they flip-flopped on that law so quick. So Disney has this power to overturn things. Yeah, Georgia trying to pull that was wild, in fact, because yeah. they have a very, very big, diverse community there. Yeah. And just crazy. So Oof. that's something to keep an eye on. So let's dive into the Alabama bill, which is somehow worse. The Alabama bill effectively bans abortions entirely. There's no six-week threshold like in Georgia. Every single kind of abortion, except for a case where a mother's life is at risk, is now illegal in that state. Not only that, it's illegal for a person from Alabama to leave the state and get an abortion in a different state. Wow. This is like Handmaid's Tale-level bullshit going on. It's crazy. Like... Uh, they they don't even Jeff you brought up before there are no exemptions to this. Well, that's what I was going to ask yeah. about the mother's health. So, did they get more into that though? Are they saying you we absolutely have to know you are going to die? Or <laughs> I wonder we have to look a little more. They into didn't that, get down to that level of nuance in the bill. I'm sure they will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is terrifying. Whereas some of the other you know fetal heartbeat bills make exemptions for things like rape and incest. Yeah. Um, Alabama has no such exemption. They don't care. You get raped. You have to carry that baby to term, according to Alabama lawmakers. Yagi yeah. did ask me on the way over, though, how much I would have to be paid to live in Alabama, and I don't know that there's a number. Yeah, not at this point. <laughs> Jeez. Way to live up to uh, 
the stereotypes here, Alabama, just being backwards. It's not great. I'm a month away from, you know, hopefully welcoming a happy, healthy child. And uh, even in this moment, like all of this is, you know, we're seeing all the great stuff and buying stuff for the kid. And it's all very exciting. And even with all this going on and being the height of the excitement, people should have, women should have the ability to regulate their body. Like this is yeah. crazy. Yeah. We do not need to be involved in this. There's need to be no laws about this. Um, you know, spend more time, spend this money and this time we're doing bills protecting the children that are here. How about that? Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's I feed mean, the kids that are going hungry, let's just pay for all those school lunches that kids can't get because they're in debt there. It's just there's way more. Right? Stuff that we Isn't it be hypocritical? Doing. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, they. A lot of these laws, they care about the unborn child, but once the child's born, you know, screw you. You're all, yeah. Yeah. You're not getting any help. We'll put you in a cage if you're from another country. We don't care that you don't eat. It's It's so frustrating to see. Because if you tried to regulate a man's body, let's say, in the same way, can you imagine the uproar? Like, if they were saying, all right, every man has to go get a vasectomy. Yes. Never would that bill pass. No. Never. Or that you can't get one. Right. Or, or saying you're not allowed to get vasectomies yeah, because to. that prevents childbirth. Yeah. This like, is like full Irish Catholicism where birth control is not allowed. You can't do anything. It's God's will. Um, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I can't believe we're talking about this in 2019 that this is even a possibility, much less that it's probably going to happen. Um, I mean, this is already a bill and it's, just let's talk about like the penalties on this. This will punish any doctor in Alabama that performs an abortion with a class A felony, <laughs> which is punishable by life in prison. Wow. And I believe has a minimum 10 year sentence, anywhere 10 to 99 years for performing an abortion. Like I, I said, this is draconian before. This is even more so. And now over a dozen states have passed similar laws, whether they're fetal heartbeat bills. Uh, or this, you know, full-on abortion ban that Alabama's done. Let's talk about the end game a bit. Like, what are what are Republicans trying to get out of this? And pretty trying to simply, get Roe versus Wade overturned. Yep, nailed it. That's exactly it. And that's actually why the Alabama law doesn't have exemptions for rape or incest. So hear yes. me out on this. Through let's this is some tangled logic that we have to unravel here. Okay. But this is what lawmakers are saying in Alabama. They do not want to allow exemptions for rape or incest uh, victims because that would actually undermine their argument. And by there, I mean Republicans' argument that all abortion is murder. So if you're making exemptions, then they have to admit that, oh, well, that one's like justified and it's not murder because, you know, this, right? And the reason that's important to them is that it would hurt their case if it inevitably goes before the Supreme Court. Because then that becomes an issue in the case, too, for the court to examine. Right. The issue they're going right now and what they want pushed in front is that all abortion is murder. That's what they want the Supreme Court to look at. And if this conservatively stacked court does look at this, there's a good chance they're going to land on the side of Alabama and say, you're right, this is murder this should be illegal and then ipso facto roe versus wade is overturned and then we're back to back alley abortions like we mentioned before so let me ask you if if something like this goes through <coughs> roe versus wade gets overturned do you think the government's going to step up to help these women 
um, support themselves and their children once they <laughs> come in? <laughs> you think we're going to get some kind of uh, some kind of allowance here to help I'm out? To uh, not even gonna not even gonna humor that. Like that's <laughs> I know this isn't a funny topic, but. Um, that's a serious question though, and it should be asked. Right. But we know the answer to it. And the answer is a hard no. The other thing that's crazy going back to the doctor getting 10 to 99 years. So what you're basically saying is a doctor could form an abortion for a woman who was raped by family member or otherwise, and then possibly get more years in prison than the person that raped raped the woman. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Tells you what the priorities are here. Okay. Um, so again, this <laughs> stop trying to regulate women's bodies here. This is insane. It will not stop abortions. It's just going to push them into unsafe conditions where people are going to have to do this on the sly. Go to and other it, countries. It's yeah. Just- if you really want to cut down on the number of abortions, how about Republicans start supporting things like sex ed in schools so right. kids understand what sex is and what you know, how it works, how babies are made in the first place. Or how about they understand that Planned Parenthood provides contraceptives for free. Yeah. So you can't get rid of abortions and then defund Planned Parenthood at the same time because you're just going to have more uneducated people. And, you know, a lot of times in the lower income neighborhoods is where you're getting more of this stuff because of the lack of education and the lack of access to birth control and these things. So what they're going to do is put more babies into those situations that, you know, shouldn't be there. Nothing. Right. There's there's no Republican or Democrat. There's no benefit to this that I see, like other than getting Roe versus Wade overturned, which has been they've wanted to have done since it passed. Yeah, uh, since the seventies. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. This actually does disproportionately affect people of lesser incomes. No health insurance. Right, and unfortunately, it also disproportionately affects people of color. So this is just another way that they're just sticking it to the poor and anyone that's not white. If men could have babies, this would never be brought up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's that's the craziness of it. Yep. And I just want to point out, um, if you're as frustrated as we are with what's going on in Georgia and the other states that are really pushing this abortion stuff, um, get your support behind the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union. The ACLU. Um, the ACLU is one of our biggest... They're on our side for this stuff. Protectors they, of civil rights. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and they they have some, you know, they do the legal action in a lot of these cases that keeps this stuff from happening uh, when it's not happening in our government. So um, if you're looking for somewhere to donate or get involved or see what you can do, definitely check out the ACLU.org website. They're going to be a, a big counteraction in this. Probably one of the only ones we have left. All right, so I'm gonna All right, take folks, a little. Back. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a little drink break. Uh, wash our minds and mouths uh, of that. Man. Carton Brewing's gonna be thrilled that they were uh, part of the abortion episode. <laughs> Let's move on to our next topic then, and that'll be uh, Trump's taxes. This is something we missed last week when we weren't on air. It's been announced that. Uh, Steve Mnuchin, who's our Treasury Secretary, will not release Donald Trump's taxes to the House Ways and Means Committee because he he thinks there is, quote, no legitimate legislative purpose, unquote, to do so. Which, Steve, I'm not sure if you've read the Constitution, but Congress is the legislative branch. Therefore, what they do has a legislative purpose purpose yeah let's let them decide yeah and he has not read the constitution so yeah that's <laughs> it goes without saying for a number of people in this administration but 
you know, the Ways and Means Committee has issued a subpoena on this. It's going to be a fight in the courts at this point. We'll keep an eye on it with that particular topic. But let's talk a little bit about um, something else regarding Trump's taxes. The New York Times actually received uh, 10 years worth of Trump's taxes. Now, they're not the ones from leading up to the election, right. which probably have been more enlightening. But these uh, bring us up to the uh, mid-90s and reveals a number of things that Trump probably doesn't want out in the, uh, the ethos out there. Number one of which is that he lost a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't enlightening at all, but it was really funny. Right. Yeah, it's something we all suspected. Uh, we kind of knew a little bit when we got that uh, a few pages of that 1995 tax return. Uh, but the New York Times received all the data from those returns and essentially was able to recreate all of his uh, 1040s right. based on that data. And they were able to fact check that against what they was public and what they knew about. It's revealed that he lost so much money more than any other person in the world. So this guy that likes to advertise himself as the biggest and the best realtor and best deal maker is revealed to just be what some of us have already known, a fraud. Yeah. And it's all just been just self-aggrandizing on Trump's part. I mean, we see it here, right? I mean, we're in New Jersey. He basically... Atlantic City right now is just climbing out of what he did to them. Yeah. Um, and the casinos that he bankrupted there, the contractors didn't get paid, the liens that got put on the land. Um, they're just starting to build down there casinos again. And that place, I mean, if you saw it right after Trump pulled out, like he always don't, does in business. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you saw it down there, it was... It was a scary place in Atlantic City along those areas where Trump had it. It was just abandoned casinos, and it was the crime rate went up. And, you know, this guy, he does not touch anything that doesn't go to absolute waste. Trying with our country now. Yeah, again, he's just not a successful businessman. He's just been successful at branding himself as a, a successful businessman. Yeah, and we don't, I mean, even after that time, so we talked about the casinos, his mm -hmm. school. And he had like an airline at one point. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh, yeah, that. He had his steaks. He had, um, oh, he had water. He had water. <laughs> um, From the Hudson River. <laughs> his college, his fraud of a college. Yes, yeah. University, Trump University. It just goes on, on, and, on and on. There's so many examples of failure. And it's just sad that the next line in that obituary is going to be America. So, yeah. Great work by President us. of America. And I always think back to a number of people who have made this quote and this observation but I think it rings so true, especially in light of this report in the New York Times, that Trump is a poor man's version of a rich man or a poor man's idea of a rich man where you think, hey, this guy is just a billionaire, but he's not. He just puts on the facade that he is. He might be a billionaire, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of inherited wealth that it's hard to fuck up. Yeah, he's not a liquid billionaire. Right. I promise you that. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. He's a billionaire in the properties he owns and the golf courses. And he's and a billionaire depending on what you're asking him, right? Because if, if you're asking him in the public eye, he will value all of these properties for, you know, 10 times, 20 times what they're worth. Mm -hmm. If you're asking him on his taxes. Right. If probably, the IRS comes knocking he's and like asking. He's like a thousandaire because he devalues every piece of property that he has. Yep. And, you know, the thing that's crappy for us normal taxpayers out there, when he was asked about this, he laughed. And he said, it's just a game. 
He said, I showed those losses because I'm it, playing this as playing a game. And I just, you know, if you're getting audited out there, don't try to say that to them because yeah, right. he's going to get away with it. You, you playing not. the games on your taxes is not going to work. And it's that's what's that's why we have such a big division of wealth in our country. Yeah. Because these people get to get away with that. They get to say this $10 million piece of property is only worth a million dollars for tax purposes, which he did with all of his parents. Uh, his dad's stuff that he left to him. They devalued all of that so they didn't have to pay taxes on inheriting it. Um, it it's been going on forever, and he's just – he laughs it off. And we all yeah. – and his supporters are like, oh, look, he won the game. What? <laughs> he declared it right in front of a national audience during the debates with Hillary Clinton. He said that he it made him smart. He said it made him smart that he was taking advantage of all the tax loopholes so he could pay – uh, little to, or in this case, no taxes for over a decade. Like, it's disheartening to know that I've paid more taxes than the President of the United States has. Yeah, and it's crazy. And you look at, you know, the bridges and the infrastructure in New York and New Jersey where he has properties. And again, he has them everywhere. So this just affects us personally. But, you know, had he had to pay actual taxes on that stuff, a lot of that stuff could be better because we're not talking small money if he was actually taxed the way he's supposed to be, you know, that's happening, not just with him though, but then you're looking at every other major company and guy that's in this area. And you know, that all matters. Like that builds up over time and then our infrastructure goes bad. And that's why we have taxes is to, you know, everybody come together to, to make everything better. So, yep. Yeah. So that, uh, that tax fight is far from over. We're going to see that end up in the courts as well. So more to come. The next topic is our ongoing trade war with China. So Trump decided to escalate that even further this past Friday uh, by announcing tariffs on an additional $200 billion worth of Chinese products. And as expected, Beijing uh, announced additional tariffs on U.S. goods in retaliation. Uh, So they announced tariffs on extra $60 billion of stuff we make. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but there's something I've been seeing floating around social media and just some uh, fake news about what this trade war is and how tariffs work in general that I felt that we should clarify this a bit. Number one that really boiled my blood is that Trump tweeted that the tariff money from China is actually sent directly to his treasury department, which is just patently false. That's not how tariffs work, all right? So if we impose a tariff on steel from China, for example, that company in China has two options. Either they start paying higher prices to send that steel to America out of their own pocket, or they raise the price of steel when they sell it to offset that extra cost. If they raise the price... That means American consumers are the ones who end up paying more for the product. So the tariff is not paid directly to the Treasury Department by China. The tariff is paid by American consumers in the form of higher prices for goods. And there's an actual point of that. Um, Trump are you announced- saying I didn't have a point? Oh, did you have it? No, no. <laughs> oh, sorry. Trump announced the steel tariffs on March 1st, 2018. Since then, the stocks have gone down 22%. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, so, Real smart businessman. Yeah. Big, biggest brain. Good job. 
<sighs> he's literally taking the one major thing he has going for him, which is the economy, the economy. And it's not because of him. But listen, he's been in there two years. It's still going good. Can't take that away from him. Sure. You know, we should stop saying this is Obama's thing. It's He's now two years in. It's his economy. It's not, but it is. And he's literally, try- <laughs> he's literally trying to submarine himself. I mean, he's so incompetent yeah. that he can't even leave the one thing alone that's working for him and just leave it alone. Like, he's so enamored with winning some of these things and not even really winning them, but looking like he won, or at least he can say it on the campaign trail that I won, that he's trying to submarine himself. Yeah. And he doesn't even know it. He just fundamentally doesn't understand how the economy works. And and not many people t- do. Right, like which makes... <laughs> yeah, you have totally to be of the highest sense. level to understand. But if you're the President of the United States, I'd uh, expect you to have a greater understanding because you should be surrounding yourself with economic experts who understand Correct. the nuances yeah. of our markets. Yeah. Not every president's an economic expert, right? Right. I'm guessing. I haven't done the research, but there's probably not the top top of the league the top minds in the world working on this sitting in the oval office with them talking about thing. this because yeah. i don't think this tariff thing would be happening i'd put money on that okay <laughs> uh to that point i don't know if you saw that story but there's this uh, story from a white house insider that larry kudlow who's the top white house economic advisor <laughs> contradicted trump when he was on um fox news sunday this past weekend yeah and essentially said what i just said that Everyday Americans are the ones hurt by tariffs on Chinese goods because we're the ones purchasing them and the cost is being put on us. So it sounds like they had a a bit of a falling out on the phone, according to an insider there, which, again, I don't like giving Larry Kudlow credit about anything, but he's right. Yeah. And I think Trump responded to this by saying, we both pay. I think was his... uh, What does that mean? Explain it. I don't have his exact quote, so I'm not... I'm not throwing this out there as his words, but I'm pretty sure I saw where he said something about they pay and we might pay or something about we both pay, which is awesome. Thank you, bud. Yeah. I'm glad I bought my wife's iPhone uh, before Mother's Day. Yeah. It's also from those sources and that same argument. Apparently, Trump told Kudlow not to worry about the consequences of tariffs on U.S. businesses. Why would he worry about that? He's just the economic guy. Yeah. And Trump's just supposed to be here in the best interest of American companies and citizens. And he's telling his chief economic advisor not to worry about the consequences of his completely manufactured trade war. There's no reason Trump had to do this. Let's be clear. Zero reason. He's just doing this because he thinks he's better at deals than anybody else and thinks he can strong-arm himself into these types of deals. He's getting into a pissing contest with China, and we're all getting pissed on. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. And it's not just this thing. I mean, and then he's the stuff he's going to do for the farmers, although sounds nice sometimes, it's basically, well, we're going to bail you out because I've I've screwed you so bad that now we're going to come on the back end and use government money to bail you out. Instead of the real stuff that we can do for farmers, the policies that have been put out there by the Democrats, like... Um, I think it's Bernie that keeps talking about allowing them to get their equipment fixed. Uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth, and yep. I know Bernie's jumped on it too, mm-hmm. but Elizabeth did start that. That is correct. Actual things that can help them in their everyday thing to sustain these farms. Yeah, Let, let's back that up and, and flush that out a little bit. Jeff just brought up farmers. So one of the biggest uh, crops that our farmers export are soybeans. And our, the leading buyer of them historically has been China. So China threw a ton of tariffs on soybeans, knowing that it would hurt farmers in what is mostly what we call Trump country, right? 
So they're looking to put pressure on the White House by hitting his voters where it hurts in their wallets. Sounds like politics. Yeah. Played at a high level. Exactly. They're playing the game. Now, those soybeans aren't going anywhere. So now there's a surplus of soybeans. Prices are plummeting on them. That's just basic econ class. Yes. <laughs> Supply, Supply and, and demand. demand, baby. And because of this, some farmers are shutting down. And going back to that fake news Trump tweet that he had, he said he was going to offer $15 billion worth of aid to subsidize those farms and keep them afloat during this trade war, saying that China is paying him this $15 billion. They're not. They're that money is coming from another place. Us. <laughs> yeah. It's coming from taxpayers. Yep. We are subsidizing the farmers now. Yeah. Which again is what they keep screaming about. We're not a socialist country. We don't do that. It seems like a pretty socialist policy. Yeah. But which we, again, I'm actually all for subsidizing farms. We do it every year with the farm bill. A lot of these farms do need government support to keep running and to keep our country fed. That's perfectly fine. The point is Trump wouldn't have to do this $15 billion bailout if he didn't manufacture a trade war. Right. And then with that $15 billion, we may not have to cut all the stuff to education and right. uh, special needs. And maybe we could help these mothers that now have to give birth to these babies <laughs> and help them subsidize their lives so they can afford to feed those babies yeah. once they get here. You it's brought just it full su- circle. Nice. It's such a... It's such a chase your tail. Now we talk about this instead of his taxes. I mean, it's, it's doing what he wants it to do. He's very, very good at changing the subject. I will give him that. That's probably, he destroys our economy doing it, but he's good at it. Yep. All right, Jeff, let's have some fun. I'm on the hot seat. You're on the hot seat today. It's quiz time. We've got these uh, rum and cokes ready to go for our next quiz. For those of you that may not have listened in the past, we've been running these quizzes and we put someone in the hot seat and asked them a couple questions about one of our Democratic primary candidates. Just get to know him a little better. Jeff does not know these questions. I'm going to ask him five about Joe Biden. <laughs> All right. So if Jeff gets these questions right, I will drink. If he gets them wrong, he has to drink. Plain and simple. Jeff, you ready to play? Yep. All right. Question number one. This will be a softball for you. I hope. <laughs> I really don't like this guy all of a sudden, so we'll see. We'll see. How many times has Joe Biden run for president? Is it A, twice, B, three times, C, four times, D, five times? Uh, a was twice. A is twice. Twice. A. Wrong. This will be his third time running. Really? He ran in 1988 and 2008. Oh, 88. And now, again, in 2020. Oh, yeah, yeah. So go ahead and uh, sip on that. I'll, you're not moving. I'm going to drink all there of There you these. go. <laughs> so Jeff didn't do too well with the softball question there. So I like the hard it's ones. It's all downhill from here. Question number two. What good luck charm does Joe Biden carry with him everywhere? <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> if you could shrink him down and keep him in his pocket, he would do it. Is it A, a copy of the Constitution, B, a set of rosary beads, C, a rabbit's foot, D, his lucky silver dollar? Seems like a religious guy. Um, oh, Joe, you a silver dollar guy, D? Wrong. You should have gone with the religious aspect. Was it, it the rosary it's beads? B, rosary beads. That was my beads. first thought. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he seems like a guy that would carry those yeah. around. And apparently loses them all the time. <laughs> Question three. Jeff, you're 0 for 2 so far. I'm actually not mad at that. Which of these facts, 
does Joe Biden have in common with Donald Trump? So I'm going to present four facts here. Only one of these will be true for both of them. Okay? Okay. And not one of them is not all of the above, right? There is not okay. an all the above choice. Odd. A, neither of them drink alcohol. B, they're both born in November. C, they both got their starts in real estate. D, both attended the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, a, they don't drink alcohol. That is correct. Well done, sir. Uh, I know Joe does not drink, but I will be since yes. you got that right. Joe, you want to come on the show? We got plenty of like seltzer and everything. You can drink some LaCroix. <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> he does not drink because alcoholism runs in his family. So we don't uh, have a beer. Bro. Res- respect the <laughs> hell out of his restraint. Don't there. have a beer. That's my fault. We will provide seltzer. Whatever you need, Joe. Plenty of Coca-Cola here if you want. Yeah. We got a water with SpongeBob on it. You'll be good to go yeah. here. Question four. Which of these jobs has Joe Biden not held in his life? Is it A, mayor, B, vice president, C, senator, D, defense attorney? D, defense attorney. Wrong. Really? He was never a mayor. mayor. Yeah, I was between those two. You're really, uh, really putting on a show for us here today, That's Jeff. That's great. <laughs> so Jeff's going to sip on that. I spent too much time on the candidates I'd like to win. I should probably pay attention more to the one that's going to win. Ooh, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> Final question. Can Jeff redeem himself, or is he going to walk out of here with just one correct I feel pretty answer? good about one. Yeah? yeah? At which university did Joe Biden attend law school? Is it A, University of Delaware? B, Harvard? C, Penn State, or D, Syracuse? I'm going to say he went to D, Syracuse. That is correct. Well done, sir. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. That is good. So, Jeff, you took uh, two out of five. Not your best showing on this, but I've got faith. i got faith that you're going to pick it up next time around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Can't wait to talk more about Joseph. Yeah, he'll be, we'll be diving deep on uh, Joe Biden and his past uh, on a future episode. And his future. Yeah. And potential future. Current. Yes, everything. And present. Okay. All aspects of time. Wow, two out of five. Yeah. What's the best we've had so far? Does somebody Ooh, go four that's for a good five? Point. I think Dennis had a pretty good showing with Three the, the Mayor Pete. Uh, I mean, that quiz. was softballs. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Just keep a running total on the website. Yeah, maybe I will do that in the future. Moving on from our quiz. Hope you all enjoyed that. We're going to jump into our fake news of the week. I couldn't resist this clip. It's a short one, and I know we touched on this topic on a previous fake news of the week, but my God, Trump did it again. He's on the topic of windmills and turbines and the subject of uh, renewable energy. Donald Trump went before a group of natural gas workers in Connecticut this past Tuesday and uh, gave a speech that included this clip. We're going to play for you right now. Enjoy it. But that's what they were counting on, wind. And when the wind doesn't blow, you don't watch television that night. Your wife said, what the hell did you get me into with this Green New Deal, Charlie? So that's uh, Trump, again, misunderstanding how wind energy works and not understanding that batteries are a thing, that store power when wind turbines aren't turning on windy days. It's, (laughs) It's just... It's really funny, but what I really love about this clip is that 
this isn't the first time he's made that, oh, the wind's not blowing, now we can't watch TV point. I like that the fictitious couple that he has in here now are starting to get names. So now we know the husband's name and his mind is Charlie. <laughs> he says, what the hell did you do get me in this Green New Deal, Charlie, <laughs> from his wife? Can we change our Twitter bio to that on the top? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's just fleshing this out in real time for all of us to witness his... I guess, mental decline. You can but. <laughs> literally see how he thinks. And yeah. It's terrifying. And man, at the end of that, it, it's brutal. It's like watching a stand-up comic bomb because that the applause is just tepid at best. You get like I mean, three tepid people. is nice. <laughs> right. This, no, this is not tepid golf clap no. politeness. This no. is a... <laughs> and the laughter was also... <laughs> so that's entertaining. What do you think these people that are surround have to be with him every day in the white house. Some of these people that have served under Obama and they have to talk to him on a daily basis. And these are highly educated people, very, very good at their jobs. They've been there for, you know, years and years and years. What do you think their day? Do you, how many eye rolls, how many just what goes on per day in the white house? I'm surprised their eyes aren't stuck in the back of their heads at this point from how hard they must be rolling them on a daily basis. Cause I, I don't think he just says this in front of people. I bet like he doesn't get away from this. So he said this in the white house in meetings. Oh about, yeah, definitely. Like he's literally brought this up. Like, no, we can't, we can't do this because if it's not a windy day, look at all the people that aren't gonna be able to watch television. Right. He, he's that drunk guy in the bar that keeps talking to you and repeating the same story over and over. And it makes you uncomfortable, but you're too polite to tell him the fuck off. So you just sit there and you're like, Oh yeah. Are you talking and about me keep, again? Sorry, crazy. Jeff. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> so now we're going into our intervention segment, Jeff, this is for you. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, it's exactly like that. I'm sure everyone around him is just like, oh, yeah, sir, you're right. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. And they I mean, yes him to death and then just try to move on with their days. I mean, some of these people are highly, highly educated in specific fields to do with this stuff. It's going to be so embarrassing. And he doesn't listen, heed their advice. And then he goes out and talks completely against it. It's got to be. We've seen a lot of defections from this administration. I have to believe most of it's because they want a political career after. But yeah. Some of it's just got to be because they were like. They go home at night. And they're like, I, "Why did I go to Harvard? I can't do this anymore. This yeah. is crazy. Like, I, I'm not listening to this. I, I'm not standing behind this. Like, I just." <laughs> That's not even all. He still harps on the idea that um, windmills are, uh, in his terms, bird cemeteries. <laughs> his quote is, "You want to see a bird cemetery? Go under a windmill sometime." He gets a little bit of applause to that, oh, God. and he says, "Under a windmill." You'll see bald eagles all over the place. <laughs> now, dying from embarrassment. To give him, yeah, right, exactly, because <laughs> they probably heard him say that. <laughs> to give him a tiny bit of credit, a shred of credit on this, yeah, windmills, uh, wind turbines do kill a bunch of birds annually, but it's only like, and any amount might seem too high to some listeners here, but it's about two hundred to three hundred thousand birds. <clears throat> but let's compare that to some other causes. Like, uh, say, cell phone towers. Okay. Uh, the research I was doing found that over 6 million birds die every year just by crashing into cell phone towers. Compared to how many for? 200 to 300,000. For wind turbines? Wind turbines, yeah. That number seems lower. It is, yeah. <laughs> Exponentially. But it tells you a lot about his state of mind and where he's, his motivations are coming from, that he's not going after telecommunication companies about their, you know, their cell towers killing birds. He's going after wind turbines because it hurts their interests. Yeah, and I, I hate to keep circling back, but you know, in PETA, 
don't come after me for this. Too late. I'm sure this is very important, <laughs> and birds' lives matter. But uh, oh, <laughs> if, he just, if he just focused the same energy on the children that are dying in our hands at the border or uh, all the other major things we have, I mean, it's unbelievable what this guy chooses to focus on on a daily basis. It really is. That's sad. So to wrap up our episode, we typically do a rapid-fire um, breakdown of some stories to go through. But today they're all going to center around a single topic. I'm going to run through some updates for the uh, Mueller report. We'll chat about that a little bit, see where that stands. So rapid fire, what's going on in the Mueller world? Uh, the White House has rejected House Democrats' requests for documents related to obstruction of justice and abuses of power. Next step is subpoenas. And after that, we got to see uh, what happens in the courts if they decide to uh, refuse those subpoenas and ignore them outright. Related to that, isn't that kind of tying into the Trump's lawyers? Yeah, Talking absolutely. about how they shouldn't be subpoenaing these documents because it's not in their their grasp of power to... Right. It, just like uh, we talked about earlier with uh, Trump's taxes and Steve Mnuchin said that it's not a legitimate legislative purpose that Congress came to him with requesting those documents. <laughs> Trump's lawyers made that exact same argument. So I guess we're going to be seeing that in the future often. That's their new line of defense. Trump's lawyers told a judge that saying that Congress didn't have the power to investigate Donald Trump for corruption. Now, Congress is meant to be a check on the executive branch. That's also in the Constitution. Read the damn thing. It's not very long. Yeah, and I mean, everybody listening to this probably spent their entire senior year in a government class, and the only topic that went on was checks and balances. That's right. what you. It's exactly what you. It's what you about. take away from it. It's like the one thing you can remember after you leave. Yeah, that you're class. like, okay, this is because ex- yeah. you probably didn't show up to many of them. You're a senior, but you learn how this works. What's even crazier? So Trump's lawyers made that argument uh, before a judge said that you know Congress doesn't have this power. So by extension, they've now said that not only was the Mueller investigation not legitimate, but Watergate in the Nixon era. And Whitewater and the Clinton era were also not legitimate because Congress doesn't have the authority to do these kind of investigations. Why was it okay back then? Yeah, so we were robbed of a couple more years of Nixon, I guess. I guess so. It's, it's wild how much this man thinks he's above the law and how so many people that he surrounded himself with are just willing participants as he just skirts around or just blatantly undermines constitutional norms. On this topic, actually, and I know we didn't kind of have it on the rapid fire, but it seemed last week um, they were starting to lay the groundwork that he, these, this first two years of his presidency got undermined by this report and they shouldn't count against his time as president. Um, it was very subtle at first. Um, someone came out and said it, then Trump retweeted it a couple times and actually said it. And it seemed to me they were laying a little bit of groundwork to say, um, he should have two years tacked onto this term. Yeah, let's let's uh, put a pin in the rapid fire for a second oh, and talk about Were this. We, no, no, oh. no. I think this is this is very important. Uh, I actually wish I had put this on our outline for listeners that might not be familiar what Jeff is talking about. He's talking about a tweet that started from uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. Known good guy. Yeah, known <laughs> good guy. Jerry Falwell Jr. is the son of. Jerry Falwell, as you might guess by his name, the uh, the famous televangelist, a member of the Southern Baptist uh, organization. Jerry Falwell Jr. came out and said via Twitter that he, quote, now supports reparations. Not the ones you're thinking of, folks. Back to Jerry. He said, 
Trump should have two years added to his first term as payback for time stolen by this corrupt failed coup. End quote. End tweet. Donald Trump then retweeted that, which is insane to think about. The president of the United States is retweeting someone who thinks the president should have two years added back to his term over this whole Mueller report business. Ignoring the fact that during those two years, Donald Trump and the Republicans controlled every facet of government. They had the House, they had the Senate, and they had the White House. They could have done and passed whatever they wanted. All they got done was their tax bill fraud that they had. So the idea that they've wasted two years is just so ridiculous right now. And it's just Trump making excuses. Or trying to set the groundwork. Uh, That's the extreme of it. And I, God, I hope not. Do you think it's below the office at this point that he would try to completely just tear up the Constitution in front of us? No, I don't, unfortunately. That's the scary part, but we don't have time to unpack all that yeah. right now. Well, I think, I think this story grabs legs a little bit more as we go, so I think we'll be revisiting it. I yeah. don't think he's going to drop that. If he gets in his head that there's a way that he can make this an issue, he's going to make it an issue. So. Yeah. All right, so back to the uh, Mueller report and just what else is going on. The uh, Judiciary Committee actually voted to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress for not providing the full, unredacted Mueller report. That will be very interesting. Next up, we also have uh, Trump's former lawyer, Dom Agan. He's been subpoenaed to testify before the House. He has until May 21st. That's next week. And uh, the chairman, Jerry Nadler, has said, hey, you don't show up to this. We're going to hold you in contempt, too. And you can see jail time over this. I know things have been floated out. Jail time, um, $25,000 a day. And fines, yeah. Is there a, do they have a scope of what they can do in terms of punishment? That's it, really. So, but I mean, is there a, is there a jail time scope or a monetary scope? Is it, is 25,000 thrown out there because that's the maximum? Just out of curiosity. I mean, it's something we can look up and figure out. So it's actually, it's a maximum of $100,000 as far as the fine goes. Per day? And up to, no, just total. Oh, okay. And a maximum of one year in prison. It's a long time. It's still a long time, but doable if you're a crony that wants to just take the fall. Or you'll just get pardoned out of it. Yeah. That's where we stand. We could hold William Barr in contempt. We could potentially hold Dom again in contempt if he refuses to appear. Do you think this is going to compel anybody? I think it will compel Don McGann. I do too. I, I don't think it compels William Barr. No, because Barr, if he came back and had to do that, he could perjure himself to the point of right. one year would be a, mm-hmm. a walk in the park. And Don McGann's already spoken to Mueller. He's on record a lot, actually, in that report, if you read it. I don't think he has a problem with getting out there in yeah. front of Congress. We just got to find one to flip. Yep. So finally... Uh, to wrap up the Mueller report stuff, we have uh, Donald Trump Jr. actually reached a deal to comply with a congressional subpoena. So unlike uh, William Barr, he's actually going to cooperate. And this actually came from the Senate Intelligence Committee. Of note, it was a Republican, Richard Burr, from North Carolina, who issued the subpoena to Donald Trump's son. And now it looks like they've settled on a date, and we'll see that um, in the future, where he's going to testify for a few hours. Forgive me for being very skeptical. I think there's more to this story. Um, I know that we know now that it will be behind closed doors. Something smells really funny here about this, so I'm I'm very excited. Excited is a terrible word. 
I'm interested to see how this plays out in actuality. So do you think um, the Republicans that were getting angry publicly at Richard Burr were just doing it for show? Yeah, I think if this went public with this testimony, I would be like, okay, you know, even if it was the kind of dog and pony show that we saw before with Mm -hmm. Barr, it's something um, and it would be interesting. And I know why they're putting it behind closed doors, but I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know what we're going to get from this. I don't have, I'm usually I'm the one like, yes. And you're like, Jeff, there's no shot. (laughs) Anything's coming out of this. I am now completely in your wheelhouse with this. You've completely, they've ruined me, but you've helped. Um, I am not. You're welcome. I'm not excited about this one. (laughs) I just, I think there's a lot of smoke here and zero fire. So how do you feel about the, him testifying? The fact that it's behind closed doors worries me. The fact that it's before the Senate Intelligence Committee worries me because the Senate is run by the Republicans right now. And we saw how that went. It's going to be a very friendly environment for Donald Trump Jr., so I'm not sure what we're going to get out of this called the Dog and Pony Show with William Barr before. I think that's probably what this will be. We won't know because it's not going to be on C-SPAN for us to watch, unfortunately. And it scares me more that Trump's not just destroying Burr right now just seems like something's yeah. in because he doesn't really hold back in these situations. It does come off as a bit of attacked. a coordinated effort among Republicans. Because normally wouldn't Trump just be, wouldn't this be like a 37 tweet storm yeah. at 9 a.m. on a Saturday? Yeah. Richard, like How little we, Richard Burr doesn't uh, know anything, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Because this is really the first time that they've broke ranks. If they're breaking ranks, so I don't think they're breaking ranks. <laughs> yeah. That's all we have for you this week, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode of the Drinking Liberally podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod. We also have a website where we post our footnotes for the episode, as well as the uh, clips that we talk about in the fake news report. Check that out at www.drinkingliberallypod.com. Finally, If you're uh, listening to us on an Apple device, rate and review us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it, and it goes a long way. Thanks to everyone that already has done. We are forever in your debt on that. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for the support. We'll talk to you all next week. Cheers.